Hi, my name is Myla Maloney, and I am Vice President of Strategic Accounts in Premier Applied Sciences. And today, I'm going to talk about provider-based, value-based contracting. Now, value-based contracting has been going on for years with payers. With providers, it's new. And in fact, I have people say to me all the time that it's not actually happening, and it's really like a unicorn. Well, unless unicorns are real, then provider-based, value-based contracting is nothing like a unicorn because it is going on today. Now, it is different. You can't do it the same as you do with payers. There's really four categories that it's believed can be done with provider-based, value-based contracting. So I'm going to touch on each of them briefly. The first is an evidence-based care discount. And that's exactly as it sounds. Instead of tying a discount to an outcome at the end of a contract, you look for an evidence-based clinical practice that happens prior to the use of a product, and you discount there. And that's very exciting for some people to think about because a lot of times people are attaching their products to outcomes like surgical site infections, hospital readmissions, length of stay, and there is so much attached to really improving that. We know that no one product is the real smoking gun to fix that. So instead, if you can come up with some sort of evidence-based practice that if you knew a system did it, it would improve care and probably lead to the use of your product, that's probably safer easier to measure, and a lot less meaty for a healthcare system to bite off. Now, as I go through the rest of these, they do get a little more complicated. So the next is a product or service guarantee. And that, too, is exactly as it sounds. You, as a supplier, would attach yourself to an outcome. If anything less than that outcome happens, then you would give a rebate to the health system that is attached to the cost of a product. So if you know, for instance, that you can reduce surgical site infections, and you know your way to do it is by about 30%, Anything less than that would require a rebate that is associated with that. So, for instance, if you reduce surgical site infections by 20% instead of 30%, you would have to write a rebate check back to the healthcare system. So the first, third one is a risk share by product. And a risk share by product is not that different from a product or service guarantee in that you are also attaching yourself to an outcome. But here's what's different. If you don't meet the outcome, then you discount another cost that the system incurred as a result of the product, but not the cost of your product. So for instance, if you were to attach yourself to a total cost reduction for patients and that total cost reduction was not achieved, then you would need to give a discount that was associated with that total cost reduction, again, not the cost of the product. Now, what I'll say about the first and the third one is they are really appealing to suppliers that have products that are reimbursed because a reimbursed product comes with a much tighter regulatory environment. So if you're rebating in association with the cost of the product, like in number two, it becomes much more complex from a regulatory environment. Now, the fourth is really short and easy to do because we consider it aspirational, but providers and suppliers are asking about them all the time, and that's a risk share by alternative payment model. So you've probably noticed in every other example, the supplier has to pay if something doesn't go right. But in this example, not only does the supplier have to pay if something doesn't go right, but the provider would pay if something goes really well. So if you think about a healthcare system that's part of an ACO that may have a financial benefit that's even partly as a result of the supplier's product, they would actually share that cost back to the supplier. And the reason that is aspirational is twofold. One, no healthcare system has 100% of their patients at risk, so it is really hard to implement a contract 
contract like that. And two, from a regulatory perspective, very few people have figured out how providers can pay suppliers when they make money. So that hasn't been figured out yet. So as you can see, there really are a lot of ways that you can, as a supplier, work directly with providers to do value-based contracting. It's important to look for the right partners, and it's important to figure out what category you're in. But according to surveys, providers are interested in contracting. They're just waiting for you to come in and talk to them about it.